again, friends, we're in the midweeks, and we're going to rock chapter 23 of 2 Samuel. Now, I think a few episodes ago, I was talking about how this final section of the book is a chiasm. It's a series that turns around and goes back in the reverse order. And so, as I understand it, the section starts with a kingship crisis, where they have to deal with Saul's sin from the past, followed by some reports about some military victories or some mighty men, and then a psalm. And at the end of the last uh, chapter, that's where things stop and turn around. And now at the beginning of 23, we're going to hear a second psalm of David, a shorter one. And then we're going to have a long report about the greatness of David's mighty men. And then in the next chapter, we're going to have this uh, final kingship crisis. And so I see a pattern there. And this is how the Old Testament likes to organize itself um, in patterns, either parallel patterns, A, B, C, followed by A, B, C, or in a reverse order where it goes A, B, C, and then turns around and goes C, B, A. And that's what's happening here as I understand it. So last chapter was a long psalm. And now we're going to have a short psalm, but it's going to have similar themes. It's going to have the theme of David speaking by the Spirit, this claim to inspiration by God, which really undergirds the whole theology of the book of Psalms, which was started by David and is mostly Psalms by David, but this faith that um, the Spirit of God was writing Psalms through David, and therefore his words are actually Holy Spirit-inspired scripture for Israel. And then we're going to have this long list of David's mighty men, which kind of corresponds to the fact that before it was a short list of mighty men followed by a long psalm, and now we have a short psalm followed by a long list of mighty men. But here we go. Verse 23, start in ver- sorry, verse 1 of chapter 23. Now these are the last words of David. The oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Look at that huge uh, introduction to this. These are the last words of David, so probably spoken on his deathbed. But these four uh, labels, the son of Jesse, uh, oracle of the man lifted up, anointed, so that speaks to the kingship, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. So this whole idea of, and an oracle is meaning like speaking words from God. That's what it means. It means you've heard from God and you're speaking from God or you're directly speaking God's words in the moment. And so here's this claim that David was a prophet and that his psalms were prophetic and coming from the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the light of the morning, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. Okay, let's stop there. So again, when David's speaking, he claims inspiration with these beginning words. The Spirit of the Lord speaks to me. And then he starts to say that God is speaking through him about being a king and the importance of kingly leadership, which gives us this messianic hunger that a great king would come and rule over us one day. Now, what's interesting here, I only just thought of this right now, is that the book of Samuel starts with a prophet, Samuel, and then gives us a king, Saul, and then comes together in this king prophet, David. So David is a prophet the way Samuel was, and a king the way Saul was, but he was both of these in one man. Verse 5, For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For will he not cause to prosper all my help and all my, mis- my desire? But worthless men are all like thorns that are thrown away, 
for they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear, and are utterly cons- and they are utterly consumed with fire. So there's the psalm. It has to do with um, the goodness of proper kingship and righteous kingship. But right in the middle, again, is this memory that God has made this everlasting covenant with David. And I think that's why the psalm is here. Uh, one of the two things, this claim to inspiration that David was a prophet and also that there's this everlasting covenant looking forward to a messianic son of David to come. And there's the short psalm. And then we go into the list of the mighty warriors. And overall, I think this list is here as kind of a, uh, it's, it's kind of like the Marvel superheroes universe a bit. Uh, we like heroes, but I think it's also a testimony to God's faithfulness by surrounding David with uh, great warriors that established the kingdom at this time. These are the mighty men whom David had. Josheb Bashebeth, the Tachmenite. He was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 men whom he killed at one time. And you'll see this happen a lot, okay? You'll see people listed if they had a special status among the mighty men, mighty men, excuse me, and something they did to earn that reputation. So David had the three who were kind of his chief uh, warriors, the best of the best of the best. And then there was a chief over the three. And we're introduced to him first, this Josheb Bashebeth. And then we're going to meet the 30, and there's going to be a chief over the 30, I think, as well. So um, there's the elite elites, and then the elites, and we're going to meet the elite elites first. Next to him, among the three mighty men, was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the son of Ahohi. He was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel withdrew. And he rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the men returned after him only to strip the slain. So he was one of the three, not the chief, but what he and David did one time was everybody, all of Israel, ran away from the Philistines except for him and David, and they just fought uh, together all day and, and won, and then everyone came back. Verse 11, next to him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Harborite, and the Philistines gathered together at Lehi. I think that's where um, Samson threw the jawbone, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the men fled from the Philistines. And he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory. So again, he's part of the three because when everyone else was running away, he didn't. Verse 13, And three of the thirty chief men went down and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam, when a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried it and brought it to David. But he would not drink of it. He poured out it out to the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went to risk their lives? Therefore he would not drink at these things the three mighty men did. So again, uh, a, a story of valor that is God is using. And the three mighty men, there, and especially a story of loyalty to David. David's just like, oh man, I'd really like to get a drink from this specific well. And they the three mighty men get all kind of like pumped up about it and they break through they sneak through whatever they go and get water and bring it back for david and he realizes you know that he's caused them to risk their life with his longing and so instead of drinking it he offers it as to the lord because they risked their life for it so he's trying to be a good righteous king as well but you just have these stories of faithfulness and bravery amongst david's uh 
warriors. Verse 18, we're moving down to the 30. Now Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief of the 30. So we've met Abishai before. And he wielded his spear against 300 men and killed them and won a name beside the three. He was the most renowned of the 30 and became their commander, but did not attain to the three. So this is a, a performance-based designation, but you know he didn't kill 800 like that other guy. It was 300, but still um, earned the right to be the leader of this second layer of David's uh, best warriors. Verse 20, And Beniah the son of Jehoiada was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two Ariels of Moab. So Ariel means lion, and they're not sure if it means like physical lions, or maybe their top warriors of Moab were called Ariels. So instead of giving you a translation for this word, they just say Ariels because they're unsure what it's referring to. He went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. And he struck down an Egyptian, a handsome man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but Benaiah went down to him uh, with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and sorry, these things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and won a name beside the three mighty men. He was renowned among the thirty, but he did not attain to the three, and David set him over his bodyguard. So this is why Benaiah is... Um, mentioned and given a few verses he was the, the chief of the bodyguard of david and i'm not sure exactly how that relates to the 30 but they're all in there together asahel the brother of david joab was one of the 30 and elhoniah the son of dodo of bethlehem shem of herod alika of herod Helez the the paltite era the son of ikesh of tekoa abiezer of ananoth mebunai Hushathite, so this is going to get a bit tired, but I'm going to read all the names. Uh, Zalman, the Ahohite, Aharai, the Netophah, of Netophah, Heleb, the son of Bana, of Netophah, Etai, the son of Ribai, of Gibeah, of the people of Benjamin. So that's an interesting note there that he's a Benjaminite. Benaiah of Pirathon, and Hidai of the brooks of Gash, Abi Alban of Arbathite, Asmaveth of Baharim. Eliaba of Shaalbonite, the son of Jashen, Jonathan, Shema the Hararite, Ahia the son of Sharar the Hararite, Eliphalet the son of Asabai uh, of Maka, Eliam the son of Ahithophel, the uh, Gilanite. Now let's stop right there. Eliam was the father of Bathsheba and the son of Ahithophel who joined in the rebellion, right? So that little tidbit of information is there. And we're meant to catch that and go, oh my goodness, that explains a lot. The Bible's not hitting us over the head with that fact, but it's right there. Hezro of Carmel, Pyrae of Arbite, Igla, the son of Nathan of Zobah, Bani, the, the Gadite, Zelek, the Ammonite. Now there's a little note there. Zelek is an Ammonite, so he's from another nation. Remember David in this psalm before, last chapter, was talking about the nations coming to David to bow down and serve him. Zelek is one of those guys. He's an Ammonite who is um, serving David so well that he actually ends up one of the 30 mighty men. Zahari the Beerite, the armor bearer of Joab, the son of Zariah, Ira the Ithrite, Gareb the Ithrite, Uriah the Hittite, 37 in all. And of course, Uriah's na name there stands out like a sore thumb because we know all the story that's happened thus far. 
So it wraps up this story of the mighty men, but also reminds us of the history that we've just read and, again, causes us to look forward to the son of David who is going to have success where David had failures. But you can see in this list, it's just enjoying the strength that God surrounded David with, as well as remembering the history, as well as pointing out that there's some Gentiles in the mix amongst Israel's mighty men who served the Lord by faith. And that's the end of the chapter. We have this list of mighty men, and then the final chapter we'll go to next time will be this last leadership crisis that's reminded of David where he went and he numbered Israel. He had a census, but not by God's command and sinned against the Lord. And we're going to learn what what David did there. And as a memorial, I think, of God's kindness to David through all this. 